Good morning to everyone. My name is Frank, one of the pastors here. Welcome to Potomac Hills Presbyterian Church. If you're new, uh, please do stick around. Uh, afterward, we'd love the chance to get to meet you, uh, greet you, and uh, offer you hospitality. And uh, we're in the middle of a series on the one another commands of the Bible. Uh, of course, we're not doing all of them, but we're doing a portion of them. Um, oh, right. These days, my brain doesn't work really great. We have a few uh, bits of uh, family business to do before we get into the sermon. I had the privilege of uh, this, this past week meeting twice uh, with new members. Um, fantastic, right? So we have actually five new members to welcome into uh, our church uh, this morning. Uh, Wade and Emily Baker we met with on Tuesday, and they're joining by transfer uh, so it's great to have you guys here. Keep pl- praying for Emily as well uh, as they go through this difficult time. We love you guys. It's great to have you among us. And then uh, we also met with uh, uh, Victoria and Amy uh, Chang and their father, uh, Wei Han, uh, via Zoom uh, yesterday, and we admitted them to membership as well. Uh, they're uh, online because of uh, health uh, concerns uh, at home protecting uh, a vulnerable member of their family. So just when you get the chance, please uh, drop them an email, welcome them into our family, uh, show them the hospitality and and bring them in uh, to our community even more so than they already are. So, uh, you know, we're talking, yeah. What a joy it is to um, bring new people into our midst to extend them uh, hospitality. And hospitality is our uh, command that we're going to be looking at this morning. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, we'll be reading verses 7 to 11. Uh, and hopefully we'll be looking at the command to show hospitality to uh, one another without grumbling. So let's see how hospitality enables us to both show and also experience the gospel at the same time. Reading 1 Peter 4, uh, starting in verse 7 uh, through to verse 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, as we come uh, to your word, we are distracted and divided, uh, as we heard earlier. Lord, we uh, have so many cares and so many worries. Lord, we ask that you would uh, enable us to focus our attention upon you, that we might see you. So Lord, we ask that uh, your word this morning would show us Jesus, would show us the gospel, and show us the way in which you have called us into life with you through uh, the hospitality that you have shown us. So Lord, uh, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, that we might be transformed by the goodness of your grace. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And so, uh, what is hospitality? Uh, I've got a story for you, as I normally uh, start sermons with stories, but uh, before we get to that story, I think I want to think quickly about what exactly hospitality is. When we think about hospitality, we might think of the table that's out in the foyer with coffee and uh, other goodies that we can eat, or a welcoming family or, and friends into our homes for maybe meals or even to stay for a few days. When I, think of the, when I think of hospitality, I think of warm chocolate chip cookies and Thanksgiving dinner. Um, but how does the Bible view hospitality? What does it mean when it tells us in verse 9 of our passage this morning to show hospitality? Well, uh, the Greek word is, that's translated to show hospitality here in 1 Peter 4.9 is philozenoi, which is literally the joining of phileo, which means love, and xenos, which means stranger. So literally, love strangers. And this love of strangers fits well with the Old Testament laws about hospitality. Leviticus 19 verses 33 through 34 says, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you. You shall love him as yourself for uh, you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so it seems like there's sort of this all-encompassing welcome that is being extended. And there's certainly a physical aspect uh, of hospitality in view here. Um, We're called to provide and care for the physical needs of those in our midst, both strangers and friends uh, or family or whoever, really. And in the first century and prior, that meant bringing strangers into your home, providing them food and shelter and even protection. Uh, I think it was the the call to worship this morning where we read about Abraham welcoming in strangers who turned out to be angels, uh, welcoming them into uh, his home, providing food for them and shelter and care. And so those stories of Abraham and then also sort of a little later in Genesis of Lot, hosting, feeding, and protecting strangers who turned out to be angels sort of pop into our minds as biblical examples of hospitality. And even in the context of the first century church to which this was written, the physical component of hospitality would have been profoundly important. Back then, there weren't hotels to stay in. There wasn't Uber to get around, right? Uh, Back then, there weren't, like, it wasn't safe, even if there were inns. And so it was actually a safer bet to just head into the center of, of town hoping that you would be invited home by a kind and gracious stranger. Like, think about that. Think about your strategy for a night, to stay a night is to hope that somebody will take pity on you and bring you home and take care of you, right? Imagine that. It's wild. And this kind of hospitality would have been immensely important for the work of the Great Commission. As apostles and other teachers traveled around to preach and spread the gospel and they're coming into new places and they they're depending on the hospitality of people that they've never met before but there's also a relational component to hospitality that's commanded as well we're not just to provide for physical needs only it would be a little weird if you just invited strangers in but like wanted nothing to do with them right this is really the you shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as a native among you and you shall love them as yourself, part of Leviticus, right? People have social needs too. And we get that this, in this area. It's, um, 
in this area, in the DC metro area, the number one issue that people have that they report is loneliness and isolation. And the reason, because, uh, the reason is because of all of the transients, right? Like people come in and it's hard to break into community. People are like, ah, oh, they'll be gone in like a couple of years. That's ah, not worth it. And so you end up with a lot of isolation. And it's really hard to break into rich, deep, and vibrant communities like the ones, like the one that we have here at Potomac Hills. Why? Because people are so, so excited to see their friends because they love them so much that they might not rem remember to welcome the stranger there in their midst. They don't have eyes to see our visitors. There's so many excuses to avoid extending relational hospitality to actually connect on a real, authentic, and deep level. Maybe I'm too busy or to add another person to my life or, you know, I've already got enough friends. I can't, can't add more or they'll be gone or whatever. There's so many excuses. But when you're the stranger, when you're the new person, having someone reach out to you, uh, to be your friend, to actually want to be your friend, to make room in your life. What a blessing it is. Think back to your college years when you're going off to college for the first time, right? We have a few college students here. You're, you're like, well, will the sophomores, juniors, and seniors welcome me into their lives, even though they already have established friend groups? Or when you've joined a new church, right, as we've welcomed new members in, what is it like to, to try to break into a community? And the relational hospitality is vital for the extension of the kingdom as well. And so the picture is one of bringing people in. The idea is to bring people into our very lives, to make them part of our family, so to speak. Hospitality at its core is making room in your life for others that you might share what you have with them, be it physical room or relational room. And it doesn't have to be complete strangers. We can practice hospitality to our friends, our family, and our brothers and sisters in Christ across the globe, right, through the internet. And on that note, let's go to that story that I promised you. I want to take you back to the summer before my freshman year in high school. Um, my family were, was on a whirlwind tour of a bunch of colleges for my brother, who is a senior that year, and we were in Boston. Uh, and... We were, we were parked right outside of the rotunda at MIT. And we had just finished our, our tour, seen all these really cool things at MIT. You're like, oh, MIT, they've got some really cool like robots and other things. And like, it sort of blew our socks off. It was amazing. We, get, we all pile into the car, the four of us. My dad sticks the key in the ignition, turns, turns it, and nothing happens. And remember, this is like 2000 or so. So the internet's around, but it's not really ubiquitous, like everywhere like we normally, you couldn't just like pull out a, a smartphone, find the nearest shop, call for a tow, and then like find like a hotel or whatever, right? We were trying to feed quarters into a payphone, and we didn't have that many quarters, right? We were feeding quarters into the payphone to get a hold of AAA to try to come and rescue us. But we're in a city that is strange. We don't know anybody there. We don't have any we don't know where the nearest hotel is, whether or not they have vacancy, whether or not it's going to cost like an arm and a leg, right, to stay there. We don't have any way to get there. There, aren't that, there weren't that many cabs going at the time, that time of day. And as sort of the hours sort of pile on and the sun starts to set, the worries begin to, to like creep up of where are we going to stay tonight? 
It was at that point that a, 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 a Chinese family sort of walks by and they notice our plight. And because Asians like to chat with each other, um, they came over and they're like, how's everything going? Are you okay? Because they could just sort of see the tears sort of welling up in my mother's eyes and my, my eyes and my brother's eyes and like, oh, what's going to happen? And they took pity on us. And incidentally, they were just visiting. Um, they lived relatively close, just outside of the city. And they said, hey, why don't you come and stay with us? We'll drive you to our house. We'll put you up. We'll feed you. We'll feed you breakfast in the morning. We'll drive you back so you can pick up your car. I like oh, okay, great, this is fantastic. And as it turned out, later that night as we were chatting with them, they were Christians, and they just simply were looking for somebody to help. And they normally weren't in the MIT sort of area, but they were just sort of providentially that day. And so what a testimony to the goodness of God, what a testimony to his provision, but also what a testimony of the hospitality of the church, right? That night, as the adults chatted excitedly in Chinese, and I couldn't really follow everything that was going on, um, because, you know, I don't really speak that much Chinese, it was really easy to tell that new friendships were being made. And so we can see here the physical and the relational sort of going together to meet and create new room in people's lives and new connections and what a joy it will be to find that family who we've lost touch with over the years because, you know, it's just harder to, it was harder to communicate back then. What a joy it will be to meet with them in heaven and say, what a testimony to God's goodness you showed us, right? And so now that we've got a sense of what, what hospitality is, we need to deal with the rest of the command because it doesn't, it's not just show hospitality, but there's that caveat at the end of it, Right? That we're not to sh- we're not we're to show hospitality, but we're not to grumble as we do it. And so this is an interesting caveat to add in. Why does Peter forbid grumbling? With the call to hospitality, won't some folks abuse our hospitality? And shouldn't we sort of complain when they do? Well, yes, we do expect sometimes our hospitality to to be abused. But in Peter's mind, it doesn't really matter. Because there's not really a limit to the hospitality that Peter wants us to show. And why? Because there's really no limit on love for yourself. Remember Leviticus. We're to love people as ourselves, to treat them like natives, to consider them as part of the family. And most of us would go pretty far for family. Some of us have some family dynamic issues. But for the most part, we'll go far farther for family than we would ever go for strangers. Right? And sure, there's a place for wisdom to know when your hospitality is no longer loving a sinner, but enabling that sinner to sin more. But the nature of hospitality is not foundationally transactional. It's not me giving you something, but relational in its foundation. And really, the, the physical is a means to an end. It's a, it enables us to have a relationship. And but this really seems like a lot, right? Far beyond what we as Americans are prepared to do, right? Somebody comes and stays with us for three, four days, and we're like, okay, I'm ready for you to go, right? But there's no limit on the hospitality that Peter has in mind. And so that seems like a lot. So how can we, with our sort of 21st century American sensibilities and sort of capabilities and bandwidth, how can we live up to this standard that Peter gives us? 
I mean, I sometimes inwardly get grumpy, grumpy when like students stay too long for like an hour after youth group, right? Just sort of like, I'm tired, I want to go home. So how, how is it that I'm supposed to live up to this standard of hospitality of just here's hospitality and don't grumble about it, period. Peter doesn't say that there's no limit without a reason. You see, Peter has in mind a hospitality that reflects the hospitality that Christ has shown us. If we look back at verse 1 of chapter 4, we get some context. And context, of course, is always king. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. And so the command to show hospitality without grumbling comes in the context of being like Christ, having the same mind as him. And so that begs the question, how has Christ shown us hospitality? If we're to emulate Christ in our hospitality, we have to see the hospitality that Christ has given to us. And so I think that begins by realizing that apart from Christ, we are the strangers. Ephesians 2.12 says that we were at that time separated from Christ. And listen to our status, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the Lord. And that's everyone in their sin. We're strangers, we're foreigners, we're enemies even. And it gets worse because God sent his son to be with us, but we didn't welcome him in. We didn't show him hospitality. We didn't... Even on his birthday, right, what happened? There was no room for him at the end. No, we despised him. We rejected him, as Isaiah 53 puts it. And we put him on a cross and we killed him. And yet, that was all part of the plan for God's hospitality. Because when Jesus took all of our sin and all of our corruption on that cross and conquered it in resurrection on Easter, Easter Sunday, that is God's hospitality to us. Because even now, strain, the strangers who put Jesus on the cross are being brought near. Ephesians 2.13, the very next verse, after reminding us that we are, are, are strangers and aliens, says, but now in Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And verse 19 of the same chapter goes on to say, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And so do you see the hospitality in the gospel? Because God is giving us both physical and relational hospitality. Remember, John 14, 2 tells us that in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And so, friends, think about this glorious truth, that Jesus has invited us into his house. He is preparing a physical place for us to dwell with him forever, that we might be with him. And he doesn't grumble over our presence in his house, even though the cost of our presence in his house is unimaginable. Think about all that the Lord has had to pay that we might be with him, dwelling with him in his, uh, in his presence. And the cost of what we give to those around us sort of pales in comparison. Rather, instead of grumbling, he rejoices 
that those who have been lost are now found. He rejoices that strangers and enemies are now citizens and natives, if you will, and family. And so let's get back to how we can show hospitality without grumbling, to do so without counting the cost or being mindful of where the line is. Do you see how far Jesus was willing to go to bring us in? Do you see how far Jesus was willing to go to share everything that he had with us? And he wanted, us to, he wanted to bring us into his presence to share with us his very being himself. And so what we got was Jesus himself. Jesus welcomes us to experience his life, and that life transforms everything. But as has been the case for most of our sermons in this series, we find that our hospitality, that our obedience to the command, isn't driven primarily by a desire to do as Jesus does in sort of gratitude. Um, we're not, that's not the primary motivation. Rather, we're doing so because we want to understand the gospel and him just a little bit more. That we want to experience the wonder of the gospel just a little bit more. That we would understand more deeply what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That we might rejoice and be found in him. And so, you know, as we, when we exercise hospitality, a true welcoming of folks into our lives to share with them what we physically have and to share with them our very selves, we have the privilege of embodying and showing others Jesus. And when we embody Jesus, when we live out the gospel, we get a deeper and tangible, uh, more tangible sense of the love and hospitality that Jesus has given to us. And now what do I mean by that? How does that, what, how does that work? And so let me give you an example. I was watching a YouTube video this week about um, a, a world record marathon runner. His name is uh, Eliud Kipchoge. And he's the reigning gold medalist in the, in the marathon. And he's amazing, right? And back in 2018, visitors at the Chicago Marathon Expo were given a chance to run on a 20-foot-long treadmill that was going at uh, Kipchoge's pace. His, his world record sort of marathon pace. And it's just about 13 miles an hour. And they challenged people to run at 13 miles an hour for 200 meters, right? 200 meters is about an eighth of a mile, right? Kipchoge's keeping this up for two hours, for 26 miles. And it went viral for a reason. There's like 17 million views because time after time, person after person just flames out on this treadmill face plants and just rides it into the pads at the end of the treadmill. And the idea of running a, a marathon is daunting, right? For most of us, right? And running it close to two hours is just insane. And we intellectually understand that Kipchoge's ability is almost superhuman to us, right? It's com compared to a normal person, it's just like unfathomable. But to actually get out on the treadmill, to try to keep up with him, or like to like run alongside him in the Chicago Marathon, that's a completely different experience. And it gives us a new understanding of just what it means for him to be able to do that, right? When we actually try to do it ourselves. And so in the same way, as we try to embody what Christ has done for us, as we try to exercise and do sort of the level of hospitality that Christ has extended to us, we get a deeper and more full understanding of just the wonder of what Christ has done for us right on the cross. 
the wonder of him welcoming sinners into his very presence. And to take it one step further, Peter wasn't worried about Christians being able to fulfill this command. There are no really caveats. There are no like sort of ways out from this, from this command. Even in the verse that follows the command, verse 10, right, doesn't give us an out. Some of us are tempted to say, well, hospitality isn't our gift, right? We haven't been spiritually gifted with hospitality, so that's not my thing. You, you guys that have hospitality, you go do it. But no, hospitality is expected of all Christians, just as loving each other with a love that covers sin is expected of all of us, which is the verse that comes before uh, our command this morning. But in all of it, in whatever we are, in whatever we're gifted to do hospitality, be it physically, more relationally, even you introverts, you guys can do this too, right? It's all in and through and for the glory of God. And so welcoming people might not be your cup of tea, right? Or you might be embarrassed by uh, what you have, right? That you might not have more, as much as the next person, or your house might not be as clean as the next person, or you might not have like a great space to welcome people in. But Christ doesn't care about any of that. He simply wants you to bring people into your life so that they can see him in you. And so hospitality is far more about sharing who you are rather than sharing what you have. And what we as Christians have in abundance is the love of God demonstrated in the gospel of Jesus. That's who we are at our core. And so where does that leave us? How does this change the way that we live life? And I know that we're really tired about talking about the pandemic. I know we're really tired about it. But this passage, this command comes today for a reason, right? As we feel the precautions and the restrictions and the isolations and all of the horrible things that we've had to endure for the last year potentially coming back as we sit here with masks on our face, right? As we feel that, we look back on the way in which we handled the pandemic before. And what did we actually see? We saw that in pandemic life, it's easy to almost natural to constrict our relationships, to constrict our circle, right? We don't want to see as many people and communication is just diff- more difficult, right? Zoom stinks. Let's be honest, Zoom stinks, right? And when we don't see people, it's sort of out of sight, out of mind. And so what ends up happening? What ends up happening is the people on the fringe of your life get lopped off. That's what happens. Right? We see the people on the fringes of our church end up losing the community that they have, what little community that, that they have. And they become even more isolated. And they feel the rejection of their community. I can't tell you how many students over the course of the pandemic have said that, that they felt isolated and just cut off from their friends and surprised at the friends that did not keep in touch. Right, And so as we come back into potentially more precautions, should that come down the line, it is now that we need to prepare as a church to push back against the natural sort of reactions that we have to isolation. It's in this climate of social distancing and isolations that we as Christians ought to show forth a heart of hospitality, of bringing people not keeping bringing people in, not keeping them out. 
And I'm not saying to live in disregard of the virus or to be unsafe or whatever. But what I am saying is that we can probably do this round of potential pandemic life a little bit better than we did the last round. That we can be more proactive in reaching out to people. That we can be more diligent in connecting and loving with people. That we can be more hospitable to our brothers and sisters in Christ at Potomac Hills. And remember, like, life goes on and people are coming into our church. We have new visitors every day. And if that isn't enough, we have students coming into our midst. We have Patrick Henry students that are coming for the first time, right? We have Patrick Henry students here. And sometimes, like, they're over at Patrick Henry, and we might not be as connected with them as we might like. We should push back against that. We want to welcome our students, especially our freshmen, our sophomores, our juniors, our seniors, folks that need community and might not have sort of the easy access to the vibrant church life that we so enjoy here at Potomac Hills. We want to be bringing them in and sharing with them our very selves. And as we think about how the pandemic has made us less hospitable to each other, think about how it's driven wedges into our unity as John prayed earlier. We think about how we look at people on the other side of the argument. We tend to roll our eyes when they say something they, uh, we disagree with. We tend to murder them in our hearts as they espouse positions we vehemently disagree with. But that's not Christian hospitality. That's not bringing people into our lives that we might live with them in the mess, in the sin and the redemption that gospel life reveals, Right? It is precisely in the fact that we disagree in, it's precisely where we disagree with people that we get to show Christ. Friends, hospitality is for the stranger, for the other, for the people that we are uncomfortable to be around, for the people that we sometimes feel like come from a different planet, they think so differently from us. And we are called to bring them home to share our very selves with them, that they might see Jesus and rejoice. Later in Ephesians 2, what do we see? We see that the dividing wall of hostility is brought down in the very body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? The church. And so, you know, we're headed back into a time where the unity of the body of Christ is threatened, whether whenever there's disagreement. And it's easy to reduce folks that we don't agree with to their positions on one or more issue. And we're not seeing them as much to remind us that they're far more than the sum of their sort of political or social or medical beliefs. It's easier to keep them at arm's length, more comfortable. But these people in this room and some folks who have stayed home because of health concerns or because of whatever, They're your brothers and sisters in Christ. They're my brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus died for them. Jesus died for them. He loved them so much. Let us show each other Jesus by showing hospitality, both physically and especially relationally, especially when it's hard to one another. That's just one facet of the way, one way that we can share the mind of Christ. And that's really what we want to do, is share the mind of Christ. So let's pray. Father God, as we come back into, as we, just as we live life,
it's hard to live the way you live. It's hard to live up to the way in which you lived. But Lord, give us eyes to see how we can understand your gospel more, how it can be the engine to drive our hospitality, that we are safe, we are secure, and that far, far more than that, that we have an abundance in you that overflows and draws people in. Lord, let us live in the abundance of your grace, of your mercy, of your hospitality. Would we see this church, especially as we deal with potentially a second round of pandemic life, would we see this church be a beacon of Christian hospitality, that people would see you more and more each day as they interact with us? Lord, help us do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.